touchdown. Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that time, George. Welcome to fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs, and uh, it was a win. Um, the Chiefs are now four and one, but you know we kind of talked about wanting to see uh, the Chiefs back up their performance in Tampa Bay. Um, with a, a dominant performance against a struggling Raiders team. Uh, now, granted, the Raiders were coming off their first one of the season um, against, you know, a Denver team with a, a good defense. Um, did you see what you wanted to see from the Chiefs uh, against the Raiders on Monday Night Football, Nick Jacobs? Um, I mean, look, uh, uh, basically almost till halftime, they put out a very poor performance. They shouldn't have gotten dominated. The defensive line in the the run defense shouldn't have got dominated the way they did by that Raiders offensive line. The Raiders offensive line is it hasn't shown up very well on a routine basis, and the Chiefs may look like world beaters there for uh, at least a half. Chiefs uh, pass rush on the defensive line was poor outside of Chris Jones. Chris Jones gave everything he had and he has in the past four games, and like it's. That that def- the pass rush defensive line is almost non-existent sometimes, and that's going to cause them problems down the road here very very soon. And then the Chiefs' offensive line, look, the tackles are struggling, and the Chiefs had to come up with ways to either help them out or try to get the ball out quicker so that it wouldn't be a problem, and so that Mahomes could get comfortable. And it took till at least halftime for the Chiefs to really kind of find a true rhythm for that offense. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, they get, they spotted the Raiders a 17-point lead. Um, so they, I think they deserve high marks for um, not caving at that point. Um, I think it says a lot about um, the character of this group. I mean, I asked several of them in the locker room after the game, like, um, you know, if they ever, you know, if they ever had a moment of panic or, or if they were ever worried and, uh, Marquez Valdez Scantley even said, he, he's like, nah, we knew we were going to win this game. He said, especially on offense, we knew we'd, we'd get things going. It, you don't love to hear, you know, that, that maybe it was one of those games where they uh, took a little time to, to find their footing. Maybe, you know, didn't come out with them pedal mashed down already, you know. Um, how much of a factor, though, do you think Nick Allegretti stepping in for Trey Smith was? Because I really thought the offensive line struggled to start the game. Um, and I thought that's kind of what sank the offense early. Um, having said that, look, Trey Smith was limited all week. So Allegretti was getting those reps at right guard all week. Um, and I, I think that was the big point you and I looked at coming out of that Bucks win was the offensive line looks like it looked like it was transformed from the Indianapolis loss. Uh, and they just weren't that dominant force that uh, they weren't able to be consistent with. I mean, the reality of it is they went back to their old run style. Like they wanted to do the zone. They wanted to run out of shotgun, wanted to run the RPO. And that doesn't work with this offensive line. That typically doesn't work with this running back group. It does for Jarek McKinnon because he's the only one that has the speed to do that. And like, they just keep trying to put, the square peg into a round hole when their offensive line is built for gap control and power. And they keep trying to run Clyde Edwards who layer who doesn't have the vision that you need out of shotgun and needs everything to go right to be able to run through because of how hesitant he gets as a runner with his vision 
and, and, and they just keep hitting their head against this wall and they wonder why it doesn't work. They have three years of tape with Clyde Edwards Hilaire of what he can or can't be, yet they keep trying to force it. And it derailed three to four of their drives when they were rolling and they were getting with it. And McKinnon was doing a good job. And then they just grinded to a halt with, with some of the stuff they were doing. McKinnon's not the guy you really want running power. You want to get him out in space and you want to, you want to space the defenses out with the receivers. And that's the way you want to go about it. And Allegretti can run power. Like, I mean, and part of that is, hey, when that happens, the ends can't rush because they're busy getting knocked on their rear if you do it correctly. So it, it's just frustrating because, I mean, it's shown what they need to do with their offensive line to be successful and to do these type of things. And in the bigger scheme of it, not just from a running perspective, um, is during Andy Reid's tenure, there's always had to be somebody in offense that's a spark plug. That's the person that gets them – to go and, and get some in sync. And it used to be Jamal Charles. And then at times it was a little bit of Spencer Ware. And then it was Travis Kelsey. And then it's Tyreek Hill. And then Mahomes can do it sometimes. And McKinnon did it a handful of times last year. And he started it tonight for him. Yeah. But it just, it always seems like when they get in these lulls, they're always looking around to see who's going to make the play, who's going to be that spark. And like that, you know, they don't necessarily have a ton of those guys anymore that can routinely do it like they like Tyreek anytime they got in trouble they could throw to Tyreek boom he'd you know start that spark and then the offense would be on its way it's just I don't know they're, they're still trying to find their identity and and I think you know I, I, don't, I don't think they still are 100% sure who they are and who they want to be yeah I mean on the bright side Marquez Valdez Scantling had six catches for 90 yards so he did build off some of the chemistry um, that he showed on, uh, you know, in some of the, the intermediate and deeper routes in Tampa Bay. So I thought that was a positive. Uh, McCole Hardman Jr. showed up in this one. He's been a little limited with the heel injury, but he had four catches for 73 yards. And um, it, it was good to see because Travis Kelsey had the four touchdowns, but the Raiders actually did a pretty good job limiting him to seven catches for 25 yards. They did a terrible job with them once they got uh, inside the 10. Uh, but they did a great job when they were doubling them over the middle of the field most of the rest of the game. Um, and so you needed those outside guys. You needed McCole Hardman Jr. and Marquez Valdez-Scantling to step up, and they did. Um, but to your point, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, nine carries, 15 yards. That's not good enough. That's not good enough in high school or college or the NFL. Um, is this a case, do you think, is it a case where Andy is trying to force the square peg in the round hole because he wants them to get better at this as the season goes along? Or is this one of those curious cases where Andy has decided this, what work, this is what works and he's just going to keep forcing it. Even if it doesn't, I don't know. I mean, we'll see as the season goes on what they do. Um, and, and I mean, we'll, we'll just see what happens as the season goes on. Cause there was times where I'm like, all right, you put McKinnon in here, keep that spark going and keep the, and keep the, you know, keep the accelerator down. And then I see Clyde come in and then, um, then it got derailed, you know, on a couple of those tracks, especially the end when they could have closed it out and they yeah. put Clyde in on one of them. And it's not the, the reality of it is Clyde's good when he's a good pass protector. And he's good in space as a receiver. Now I know Mahomes seems, to... Mahomes seems to like him as a receiver. He's become kind of one of his favorite guys to throw to. I think. And honestly, I would rather see Clyde in space as a receiver 
then I, you know, and I'm saying like, put him on the field in that way, have him and Kenan back there and do it that way. I'm good with that. But I mean, I just think Clyde's more of a receiver than he is a running back. And I just think him being in those tight quarters between tackle to tackle really is a struggle for him after three years now. And I just don't know if it's going to get better because he needs so much to go right and run blocking for him to be effective and to have a good, effective run game. So it's just, it's, 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 it's disheartening to see at times. And, and I mean, don't get me wrong. Max Crosby, he knew when they were running RPO, like he knew it's a T and he was the way he would crash down on those when he saw him and start talking to Mahomes afterwards and start talking that offensive line, trying to get in the chiefs heads. I mean, Max Crosby came to play tonight and unfortunately Orlando Brown made Chandler Jones look more like the Chandler Jones of old than the Chandler Jones that needs a, needs a rascal to get around, which is the reality of who he is at this stage in his career. But the one thing I will say with the Kelsey part of it, McDaniels and, and then we're taking pages out of their Patriots playbook yeah. and they were running the same things that Bilicek did to hit Kelsey off the line, to double him on the line, to smack him over the middle. That's what they were doing. And the funny thing is, what Kelsey experienced this week, I was expecting next week against the Bills for sure. So I think the Bills want to get physical with Kelsey and disrupt him. And I think the the Bills really are going to try to figure out ways to make Mahomes uncomfortable. So the Chiefs got, from this defense, the Chiefs got a nice little taste of what Buffalo is going to try and then some, because Buffalo is going to bring a whole lot more than that. But I, I mean, yeah, it's we'll we'll see, man. I mean, the the Chiefs tackles they're uh, it'll be interesting next week whenever they whenever they play Buffalo. That's that's for sure. Interesting may not be the word I'd use to describe it. If you're a Chiefs fan, um, you know, I, I like Andrew Wiley. He struggled again tonight, though. Um, I'm curious too, though, what's the deal with Isaiah Pacheco? I mean, he has 12 carries for 65 yards. Now granted a lot of it came in the fourth quarter, kind of garbage time in Arizona. And then he sees two carries, three carries the next couple games. Um, he, he seemed to be a guy who brought the spark at Tampa Bay, 11 carries for 63 yards. And then he gets one carry, um, you know, against the Raiders. I, I, I'm struggling to make sense of the way that they're using Pacheco, um, you know, I mean, especially when Clyde is not getting anything going, is it, does it come down to the pass protection? Um, and maybe he's still trying to gain familiarity with the scheme or is, are you just a little bit baffled? Like I am. I think part of it is Clyde's more, I mean, uh, that Clyde, they keep trying to use in the shotgun perspective, and they keep trying to keep defenses honest, you know, with the balance between him and McKinnon. So I think that plays a plays a role in it. Um, with Pacheco, he's more of a power runner at this stage right now. So it's more eye form, you know, two tight set, maybe three tight set, and kind of let him work. And that and that's more of a style. I just don't think they could probably feel comfortable with him out of shotgun yet, both from a pass protection perspective. Because I don't, th- I, I I feel like the Chiefs don't like to give away if it's going to be a runner pass by what running back they bring in, I think that kind of, I think that really bothers them by, by the way I watch them rotate some guys. Cause there's some times where I'm like, all right, I wouldn't bring Clyde in here. And then they bring Clyde in and I'm like, okay. And, and, you know, it's just like, uh, I don't know. I, I think they've got certain packages. They're willing to use Pacheco in right now. And I don't think they were planning on using those against the Raiders today. So I, I think that play, I personally think that played a really big part in it. There was a really interesting conversation on NFL Live this week um, where they talked about 
offense is giving away too much to the defense by by using shotgun and RPO too much and how it allows the defensive line to they they know what's coming, right? I mean, they don't have you know, like you were talking about with the defensive end, they don't have to hold at the line of scrimmage. They just you know, I mean, at this point, they pin their ears back, go after the quarterback, and if the running back happens to come by with the ball, you try to tackle him. Whereas, like you said, if you get under center a little bit more and get away from that shotgun, that RPO style, then you make the defensive line play a little bit more honest. You give your offensive line a little bit of extra help, and you open up the play-action passing game a little bit. Uh, would you like to see the Chiefs do that more, or do you think that, you know... Um, it is what it is. Andy's track record is what it is. And you just got to hope for the best at this point. No, I mean, as I've talked about in our podcast during the off season, I would, I would find a way to hide the RPO and just to yeah. just hide it. Just hide but it. And I think, I, I think the way to do that is to get under center more. I really do. I think that that would be a way that, that, I mean, you play action used to be the run pass option, right? Except it creates more headaches for the defense. It, it causes the safeties to, to hesitate. Um, the play action allows Patrick to hide the ball more. Um, you you want to create some, some bigger plays in the passing game down the field. The, that play action pass is, is going to be useful because it's going to force those safeties to come up. I mean, they're going to be reading that key. They're going to see Patrick extend the ball and, and their natural instincts going to be to step up. I, 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 I would like to see the Chiefs incorporate that a little bit more. I mean, the the NFL being as cyclical as it is, everything being you know old, being new again. I mean, I think it may be time to go back to that in some in some instances. And I I think they do in portions, but I think personally they don't. If if I was guessing, I think with the offensive tackle play on their in their pass protection, I, I feel like part of it is they don't feel comfortable with that part of it of like, if Mahomes is under center, he doesn't get that extra second or two to be able to kind of adjust accordingly to where either the rush is coming from or where he may need to step up when, once the tackle beats or once the ends beat one of his tackles. So I think, I think they, I think they believe in the offense that having that extra second or one point, you know, one and a half second or half a second or whatever it is, depending on the drop, I think they've sometimes believed that that's more valuable than going under center. And as long as they win, you you may not be able to argue it, but if the losses start piling up, then that's where the problems start to come in. Right. And, and I get it. Cause obviously, you know, Patrick's your, your best player on the field. Right. And he's the guy who sees everything. And, and when you're coming out of sh- uh, under center, your back's turned momentarily, um, you know, for the, for a, a beat or two, especially if you're running play action. But I think that, given what the chiefs deficiencies are on offense, um, that would, that would help solve your two biggest problems, running backs who are ineffective running out of shotgun and tackles who, cause you're, you're taking away a second for Patrick Mahomes, but you're giving that second back to your tackles. Um, so, it, you know, it may be a net, a, a net wash, uh, from that standpoint, but I don't know. Andy Reid's certainly far smarter than I am. And maybe it's, it's, it's as much about what Patrick's comfort level is. Um, but if the run game continues to struggle the way that it does, uh, you know, um, I, I would just like to see Patrick, um, not have to run for his life as often. And I think it's, you know, like we've talked about establishing a power run game and creating that doubt in the defensive line's mind might be a way to get that achieved. It's certainly worth a try. Um, <laughs> but I mean, we'll, 
we'll see. They got some tough run defenses that they're going to be going against and Buffalo and San Fran and a couple other coming down the road here. So Tampa was supposed to be a tough run defense too, but when they, when they lined up in, in, in power game, they, they had success. Right. So. And part of it was when they didn't think Vita Bay was on the field, they ran the ball. Right. So, I mean, they, they had some strategies there and I totally get it, but I don't know. I mean, we'll it'll be interesting. We'll see. I wonder if we'll see more three tight end set against Buffalo and what the chiefs will do differently against them. So it, uh, this, this Sunday is going to be the litmus test for them. I think a lot of chiefs fit. Look, I mean, the reality is the chiefs lucked out in this one. Like some calls went their way, some the ball bounced their way a couple of times, unlike in Indianapolis. And this this game could easily just could have easily been a loss as well. There was, yeah. there was some dumb decisions by the Raiders and there was some questionable officiating and all that type of stuff. So I mean, I'm not look, they, they did what they had to do to get the win, and they didn't push anybody on the ground when they were leaving the tunnel. So yeah. I mean, you know, they you know, you gotta take the wins where you can get them right now. I mean, obviously, everybody's going to talk about the the roughing the passer penalty against Chris Jones, right? And look, I think by the letter of the law, from what Carl Cheffer saw, um, you know, I, I can see why, you know, from the angle he had, he felt like Chris Jones landed on Derek Carr with all his weight. Um, you know, Chris Jones, look, he he was pretty gracious toward uh, the officiating crew, uh, maybe because he didn't want to get a fine. Uh, but he brought up a good point that, that maybe like the pass interference rule that was changed to become reviewable after the 2019 NFC championship, when the saints got robbed, uh, maybe that's a play that if it's going to be so nuanced, um, that review ought to be able to overturn an obvious error. I don't know that it would have overturned the Chris Jones, Jones one to be clear, uh, because the, the fumble, I don't think. Uh, unless they decided that Chris had done everything he could by trying to brace himself and not actually putting his weight on Derek Carr. I don't know that they would have overturned that. I think it would have overturned the, the Grady Jarrett one um, from Sunday against Tom Brady. But I mean, how irritated were you with that call? Uh, I mean, I, I wish I could say I'm, I'm stunned by Carl um, having problems. But, I mean, Carl had problems in the Chiefs Steelers divisional playoff game and uh, called a very controversial holding call where the Steelers knew once they turned the corner, if they dropped to their knees, that Carl would, Carl and his guys would call holding, and they did. And that helped the Chiefs not tie the, not be able to tie the uh, playoff game against the Steelers and lose in that divisional round. So, I mean, that was, you know, and then the Mahomes era started soon after that. Um, and then Carl didn't protect Mahomes in that in the Super Bowl game against the Bucks. So I mean, Carl has a history of some incompetence. So I mean, and I'm not saying he's going to be perfect. I'm not saying any official can be perfect. But you know, I mean, look, he felt the Chiefs uh, Chiefs fan base's feelings toward him uh-huh. after that, and he he felt it like at a Boo Cano level, and he found out how petty Chiefs fans can be whenever or whenever you wrong them. Oh, I brought that up. You know, some people were talking in the press box about, you know, they hope the Chiefs keep it up. And I was, I was like, do you not remember the 2012 All Star game? Like, I promise the Chiefs fans can keep it up. They because uh, whenever Carl made that call in the third quarter with about seven minutes left, and his voice was trembling like that, man yeah. had a frog in his throat for all we know. 
but I saw I saw a lot of makeup calls from Carl and them that like they like the they like did. the holding call on the missed field goal. <laughs> yeah, that that one was a bad one, and then and then like the the Devonte Adams in you know out of bounds incomplete. That's fifty fifty. Like, I mean, I've seen some other crews that would have called that a catch. Right. So. It would have, yeah. It, I mean, I think there was a bobble there. Um, and so I think that, that that gave them the out to not call it. Uh, or to, It to certainly gave it. Carl an out that he was hoping for. Right. Like, that they could take there. Um, you know. But, look, I, I think that the plays that get overlooked in this game are um, the Chris Jones stop on the two-point conversion when he stonewalled. Um, Josh Jacobs at the line. I mean, because of so you know, the other things that happened in the game, um, I don't think that 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 play gets enough credit. Um, at, you know, probably as it deserves. Um, and then you know, you talked about look the 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 passing or, or the the run game. You know, if you take out Mahomes' twenty eight yards on scrambles, um, it. I mean, really, it was Jarek McKinnon's thirty yard run. They're down seventeen nothing. And he kind of took it on himself to, he showed some power when he got down the field, Orlando Brown's down the field, pancaking guys on that play. I really thought the chiefs mentality kind of turned from having the game taken to them to starting to take the fight to the Raiders a little bit more really with that play, they go down the field, they get the first touchdown and that kind of got them in the game. And then, and then I, I don't think that, that the, the, Chiefs franchise record 59 yard field goal by Matthew Wright, unbelievable as it was, um, gets enough credit. I mean, obviously, every point mattered in that game. Um, but I think that that sent the Chiefs into the locker room feeling good, especially after the way the roughing the passer penalty led to a 50 yard field goal and, and kind of unraveled the, the Chiefs' momentum that they had going at that point. I think that the field goal restored that um, and, and kind of, you know, and then the Chiefs knew, hey, we come out in the second half, we get a touchdown, boom, we're rolling. Um, you know, I thought those were two key plays. And and look, that Matthew Wright thing is going to, like, ruin trivia nights for everybody. When people ask, like, you know, who has the longest field goal in Chiefs history? Like, people are not going to be able to come up with Matthew Wright, man. No, there's a reason why. <laughs> there's a reason also, why. Also, after he missed the 41-yarder and then the 37-yarder that got bailed out by the holding penalty, Harrison Bucker still cannot come back fast enough. Yeah, and I mean, I'm telling you, like, he kept hooking those extra points, man, to the left, and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, this is not good, man. They they need the game to be in a situation where they don't need a field goal from him. Right. Because, like, that poor guy was hooking all of them to the left. He kept kicking them, and there was something in his swing when he's kicking it that just kept hooking it to the left each time. Um a couple things I will say from the Raiders early on there. Like, here, here's the thing I want people to remember. This was Josh McDaniel's best shot. This was the defensive coordinator's best shot to come in unexpectedly and to throw stuff at the Chiefs that they may not have been expecting or they may not have seen. And McDaniels and them took a lot of stuff out of their Patriot playbook. Yeah, the six six offensive linemen, that kind of stuff. So the Raiders have now given the Chiefs their best shot. So when the Chiefs go to Las Vegas, I don't think the game's going to be similar in that way because now the Chiefs have experienced what Josh McDaniels wants to do with the personnel he has in, in Las Vegas. And this is then this will be something similar when the Chiefs play the Broncos down the road here. This is something that the Chiefs will kind of see when they play Buffalo on Sunday and some of the other teams they may play potentially if they can make it to the playoffs and, and stay healthy. Like 
this is part of the exploratory mission for the Chiefs right now to kind of see what every team wants to do against them. And for the Raiders, that's why it took part of that. And then they're like, hey, the Chiefs had some of the same issues when they played the Chargers the first time when they didn't know what Brendan Staley was going to do. And Josh McDaniels really brought it to the Chiefs today and had a lot of a lot of bags in his tricks because he wanted this to be a signature win to kind of stake his claim in Las Vegas that this is going to be different. And I don't think he was expecting Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro to run into each other on the final play in the way that they did. I don't think Devontae um, Adams was expecting it. <laughs> yeah, he definitely wasn't. So <clears throat> that's something I want people to kind of keep in mind with this game. And I just don't – the Chiefs now have a reference point with Josh McDaniels now going forward. But they also know that whenever they play Devontae Adams, that – He's going to, and this is what kept infuriating me. They clearly saw something in the scouting report where Devontae knew if he grabbed the Chiefs cornerbacks and pulled them into him and made it look like he was going for the catch like he did on two of those PIs, he knew he was going to get the call. So the Raiders did that deliberately a couple times, and they knew that the cornerbacks may not turn their head. So he was able to get two cheap PIs because of it. So now, and the Chiefs kind of smartened up there in the second half, and you know, the Raiders didn't try to push it as much to Devontae as they should have. So well, I, mean, I, think just... they, I think they were rolling coverage a little bit with Justin Reed or, or Juan Thornhill at different times to take that away because they were like, we're going to make somebody other than Devontae beat us. And then not having Darren Waller out there helped a great deal. Yeah. That could have yeah. created a lot more problems. And the Chiefs missed Willie Gay today. They missed Trent McDuffie. So when both those guys are able to come back, that – that will help as well for that defense to have a significantly better performance than what they did. I will say, I'm you know one of the things that the six man offensive line packages did was was force the Chiefs into their uh, base defense a little bit more. Do you see a role for Darius Harris, like when Willie Gay's back, maybe have him on the field in place of Leo Chanel in some instances? Um, you know, because didn't see a whole heck of a lot from Chanel. Um, you know, when he was, uh, when he was on the field in those situations. Yeah. I mean, I mean, well, I mean, Chanel's still getting, getting his sea legs under him and there's NFL yeah. legs under him. So I, I totally expect that, but the guy I really wanted to see tonight still hangs out on the practice squad and Danny not for long, not for long, not for long. Know. We'll see. I'm sure they'll pass him over for somebody else, but I'm telling you right now, if they had Danny Shelton out there tonight, like the Raiders aren't, they aren't doubling the same way against, against Danny Shelton. Like they did naughty. I, it, I mean, Tershawn Wharton towards ACL. He's going to be, he's going to go on IR this week and be done for the season. I don't see any way around that. Um, they, Danny, Shel, you're, Danny Shelton's got to be the guy that comes up, right? I mean, he has to be. I mean, I thought at some point Ronald Jones would be active and I thought Shelton would have been on the active roster sooner than what he was. So I, I don't know at this point, man. Well, I, we'll, we'll get those answers uh, on a short week, um, and we can address that later. You know, I mean, I, I don't. I don't. Do you worry at all about the short week affecting the game for the the Chiefs, or do you think that's going to be a bit of an overblown storyline to the extent it is one this week? No, it's not going to be overblown. The Bills got a significant advantage against the Chiefs right now, because for the most part, the Chiefs didn't play until seven tonight, so they got done ten thirty. Um, the bills essentially have with their game ending when it did, the bills have had a full 24 hours of rest and recovery already. And then you add in that the chiefs first 24 hours of recovery, suddenly not going to be till 10 30 at Tuesday. 
that's a lot of time in front of them for the bills to be ahead of them in terms of recovery. So, I mean, that that's, that could play a factor. I mean, you could argue that you can argue that the bills having to fly here could cause some, you know, could kind of be an equalizer in some ways and everything, but I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I just know that the chiefs can't play the way that they did today, especially in that first half and have, you know, and have similar results happen like Buffalo. Buffalo will put it on you pretty quick if that if that's the performance that's going to come out there. I don't think the Chiefs are going to perform that way, but I'm just saying if something happens where things don't go their way and they don't have that fire starter for them, like that could get bad quickly. It, I I don't think that the Chiefs can spot the Bills 17 nothing lead and expect to come back. Um, and, and look, I, I do think the Raiders are, were... Uh, uh, the equivalent of an uh, of a cornered animal, right? Like they're one and three. They beat a bad Denver team. They needed that win a heck of a lot more than the Chiefs did. But at the end of the day, the Chiefs did what they needed to do, which was find a way to win. I think they'll be a better football team in Week Ten than they are in Week Five. But the search for that consistency goes on another week now. And the the guy we'll talk about it even more later this week. But this is Joe Collins week. Like Joe Collin, what he did to Josh uh, Allen. Whenever we're down in Jacksonville, we used the DC last year. Like he's got to be able to pull that rabbit out of his hat this week because Chiefs are going to need it. And that Chiefs pass rush, their ability to get back to get to Josh Allen and hit him and cause him problems and everything like that. If the Chiefs defensive line plays the way that they that they did today against Josh Allen, that's not going to be pretty either. No, and and you know I think you hope that it, that. You hope that the Chief, I mean, you're going to be without Tershawn Wharton, but if they do elevate a Danny Shelton or bring in another, you know, veteran guy, hopefully Frank Clark can play the whole game. He did have two quarterback hits before he left with, uh, with illness and didn't return. And then Mike Dana, I think was close to coming back for this one. And he had been playing well. Um, you know, if you can get him back, I think that that helps a little bit as well. You know, just gives Joe Cullen more pieces on the chessboard to play against Josh Allen. Well, I, th- I think they need to find some more chess pieces somehow. <laughs> well, uh, that's what they got, man. They they might be pawns, but that's what they got. Yeah, they better start searching for some more if they if they want to make the playoff <laughs> run they want to. All right. Well, uh, I I got nothing else coming out of this Raiders game unless you can think of something I completely forgot. Nope. Time to wrap it up. <laughs> is it is it sad that like Travis Kelsey has four touchdowns, um, like passes Jamal Charles? He's one of the only four tight ends in history to do it. It's his record setting day, and we're just like, yeah, that's Travis. <laughs> I felt awful for Troy Aikman. That's yeah. what I felt awful for. <laughs> Having to watch Patrick Mahomes pass him in the same building. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, not just that. I mean, like he in, in half the number of pass attempts too, but he way. had to watch Patrick Mahomes win a Super Bowl and call the game right in front of him whenever he made, you know, when he made the comments he did on social media about how he could get, how he had to get a third of the Super Bowls that Troy had, and then now Mahomes has already passed him for career touchdowns. And as you notice, Joe Book and the NFL and the ESPN broadcast made no mention of Mahomes passing Troy in any way, shape, or form. It didn't exist. So it's funny because they have graphics for everything else on there. Right. I'm sure Troy will be gracious and, you know, uh, as, as he was on everything. I, I don't think Troy um, stepped in anything today and has created any sort of firestorm that ESPN or his PR people will have to put out this week. 
I thought he did a great job recognizing uh, Chandler Jones as Frank Clark. Yeah. So, no, good times. Uh, um, Good for Troy Aikman. Uh, And with that, take care, kids.